Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual get together each week and review a movie from the cinematic canon. I don't know if this week's movie would be held in the cinematic canon, but I'm in control of the show. I am one of the hosts <laughs> of this podcast. My name is Isaac Ransom, and I am joined, of course, here with Juzo Greenwood as Cameron is out of town. Juzo, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Isaac. Uh, I This is a very interesting film you've selected here, and uh, I this is... Uh, <laughs> I, I actually had a nice time watching. I never have, so it, it's cool. I think you know it's rare to pick a movie that Juzo has not seen, and because I had full creative control of this podcast this week, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna kind of fire through a bunch of movies that I think would be fun to discuss. And this was actually the first one I thought of, and sure enough, you hadn't seen it. It was e- I was even considering like the Fast and Furious stuff. Mm. Too. Mm. I didn't know if you had watched anything in in that franchise before. Only the recent um, one, which is very okay. bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the movie we're talking about this week is Transformers One, the two thousand seven release, directed by Michael Bay, starring Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. Usually, Cameron throws that out the front. I figure if you clicked on the episode, you you know uh, what we're probably talking about. But before we get into the nitty gritty of of the cinematic masterpiece of this of this movie, Juzo. I want to ask if you've been watching anything else this week. Throw it over to you. Um, maybe you can talk about a movie that might be a little more profound than this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've been watching a number of things. Um, I think I already talked about showing up on a recent podcast. It's a very quiet uh, movie about a Portland artist that I, I saw again with my family, and it's a really nice movie. Um, um, let's see, my film club, we watched Stalag 17, which is a Billy Wilder movie. Um, I would say not one of my favorites, but I do, it is an interesting sort of balance of tone that he has, you know, between the really comedic, but it also takes place in a prison camp and it's kind of a pretty dark thriller. Um, let's see. Oh, a mixed class, we watched Borat 2. Did you watch Borat 2? I, I have seen it. Yeah, I have seen it. I actually missed it when it came out, and it's it is pretty. It was very topical, like very kind of hot off the presses. I think it came out yeah right before the election, and there's that stuff with Giuliani. Um, I didn't find it quite as funny as the first one. Uh, no, partly because I I found it so kind of um, it, it just there's some parts of it that that make me so like uncomfortable and almost made me mm-hmm. kind of scared that uh I. I was kind of amazed by what I was watching, but wasn't really laughing. But there are some really, really funny parts. And yeah. overall, it was, you know, definitely one of the funniest movies we've watched in his class, for sure. Um, I I feel like there's something about the first movie that feels a little more... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but it feels a little more like... Not genuine... But there's kind of a sweetness around all of the, you know, craziness that's going on. And the second movie doesn't have that positivity. It feels like a very negative movie with yeah, all of its jokes. I I remember leaving being like, that was like, yes, that was like kind of the same. But like for some reason it wasn't leaving me with any kind of positive feeling, you know. No, it's a much more, it's a much darker movie. I think it's a little bit more, he's setting out to kind of... uh explore, I don't know, the darker side of America, you might say. And this, yeah. uh, the first movie felt like a little bit more of an innocent kind of, almost like um, Jackass or one of these kind of guys mm-hmm. who, you know, him just going around and, and 
how do I do the simplest funny? It's, I also felt like it was a little overcomplicated with the daughter, and you know, it was sweet, but yeah. I think the first one just has this kind of purity to it that is hard to replicate. Also, it's hard to replicate just because um, everyone knows who he is now, so he can't do the same kind of like public, you know, hidden camera stuff mm-hmm. and what have you that he was able to do in the first one. But you know, all in all, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Succession just ended. I just finished Succession the uh in the final episode yesterday and i think i was kind of bad mouthing it a few weeks ago or when i was on with cameron maybe and i have to say i think i'm very glad that i stuck with it because i don't know if i'd necessarily recommend it i I think we talked about last time i was on how you're a little ambivalent about the you know 40-hour commitment and i certainly wouldn't begrudge you for that but um i thought it would they they landed the ship and i thought it was really satisfying ending and there was just these great performances really sort of a devastating show and kind of um really felt like one of the you know it felt like it, it was worthy of the sort of godfather godfather 2 comparisons that i'd been thinking about as i've watched the show and um i don't know i just felt like it it, it was it's quite a haunting and, and beautiful uh finale so uh i'm glad glad i stuck with that um and then the last thing of note that I watched recently, just um, kind of in, in tandem with listening to your guys' podcast, is the uh, is the Wolf of Wall Street, which um, mm. I think maybe is the third time I've seen it. It's been a while since I've watched it, um, and I just thought this is it, as good or as even better than I thought. I really do think it's one of Scorsese's best films. Um, I I found it really interesting listening to your show because. There, there was definitely some of the takes that I even even Cameron, who I mostly agreed with, like you guys were both saying the movie isn't funny or it's not a comedy. I'm like, it's not a comedy. This is not a funny movie. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, yeah, you you guys didn't. I mean, him him crawling around on quaaludes wasn't wasn't funny or him you know twisting around or Jonah Hill and all his riffs with Rob Reiner. I mean, it's pretty funny to me. I thought. Um, I think um I think what I found interesting about it is that it's sort of like there's a bittersweet energy in all of it where it's comedically directed but what you're witnessing is pretty like I don't know horrifying. like it, it yeah it's pretty it's pretty bad <laughs> like it's pretty bad what you're witnessing I will say the further I wait, get away from the movie um it feels like the in-your-face offense um, kind of like shallows away out of your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. And instead, what you remember is the sporadic, hyper energy that the movie has. And because I've been thinking about it, I actually rewatched Goodfellas this, this week, this last week. Oh. And that ending sequence with the, you know... Um, when he's like driving around and the helicopter's following him and stuff mm-hmm. like that end sequence of Goodfellas like basically captures the emotions that you remember watching like Wolf of Wall Street even if you don't fu- or you're not fully able to piece together the plot there's like a pace that's just definitely lightning fast in that movie right um yeah the thing I think the thing that with with Wolf of R- Wall Street that I like that that really stands out to me is is that you i i think about like a, a more raunchy movie like project x and i said this on the podcast um 
I've never seen Project X, but the idea of that movie is like, oh, it's going to be like, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be like a party movie full of degeneracy and stuff. And you probably can watch that movie and it's probably like, there's probably one bad scene or, you know, there's something that it, it, you know, it's like just edgy enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Where Wolf of Wall Street is like a feat of of degeneracy on screen. It's unbelievable how much it's able to keep up that cocaine fueled, you know, and it keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I think there's a there was a level of exhaustion on on my watching. I was just like, this is just this is just so much. Mm-hmm. I understand how it's like paired with the movie, and that's why stepping back away from it, I'm like, there there is kind of this impressive element about it, you know, the most cuss words, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but it, it makes me it just there's like a numbing factor that actually mm-hmm. makes me feel uh, that. That makes me feel like people might enjoy the movie more as a roller coaster, but I think Scorsese is better than a roller coaster. I think he mm-hmm. and 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 it, that's great. You know, that's great that it's it can be that, um, and people can enjoy that. And I I just have seen more out of Scorsese, if that if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so like I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. It's just, it wasn't for me and it, and I can't blame, I don't really blame people for like loving it, but I'm also like, it just doesn't, it's not that deep. It's not that profound. Well, that's the thing is I have to say though, but because you said that on the show, but then it's like you were, then you were like, I thought about it for two hours after I was watching it. I, I just was trying to, and you're like, you're, you, you went like full anti-capitalist. Also, you were like, and, and I was like, gee, it must be pretty deep. I mean, I, if you were thinking about it that much, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't, that's a whole nother discussion. Maybe even something we could talk about with, with uh, our movie at hand this week of like, is a movie have to be deep? Does it have to be? Um, profound. I mean, I I would say. Well, it depends what we talk about when we're talking about depth of a movie. Or is it like the depth of the theme? Is it the 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 message of the movie being a profound idea about life? Is it just the complexity with which the movie portrays the world and the characters? And um, or is it just the profundity with which it it um, it moves you or it, it, the profundity of its emotions, because I think all of those things to me are, are uh, things I would describe as deep in a movie. I, I just don't know if it's, it's always for me about like the theme itself or the idea it's expressing. Um, but all, all this I should also say is like, I'm saying it's a really funny movie and I think it is, but this is not to take away from the fact that it's an absolutely horrifying movie i mean and and in some places not funny at all in some places i mean the scene where he you know tries to kidnap his own kid is as upsetting as anything scorsese has put on film um yeah i i I think he is able to to um treat these things with complete seriousness and with the kind of um i mean i would say condemnation but not not in a overt not in a didactic way um but he do, he does condemn these people without it feeling didactic, and also is able to make it a fun, funny sort of entertaining movie, a really fast three hour movie for me at least. Um, yeah, I know. I, th- I think it's a, it's a real achievement. But I but look, I can understand 
I don't, I certainly don't begrudge you for being like, you know, this is not the most pleasant company to spend three hours with these people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the other, I think what's interesting too, is that usually I'm attracted to more roller coaster movie experiences, like a little bit more, like you can sit back and like, just kind of eat the popcorn and go along for the ride. But Mm -hmm. Wolf of Wall Street feels like, like it's like going on a roller coaster that it's like, oh yeah, we're going to launch like paintballs at you. And like, it's going to be like, you're kind of be like, you're kind of, it's going to be something, it's going to be one of those rides that like, I'm kind of like, I prefer not to like, they're like, oh, 100% you'll throw up. Like we guarantee the throw up on this roller coaster, you know, like, and everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> I no, don't I, know I, if I really I think that's want to like jump into that. You know? Yeah, I think like, that's what sets it apart from other like party movies or kind of um, what you call like roller coaster movies is they don't have cutaways to like, oh yeah, this guy he killed himself two years later, but who cares about that? You know, there's like a little part of the movie where he says that, or or this guy died of a heart attack at 35. You know, he's the same age as Mozart, or he's, I think he says. Um, there are these little kind of like gut punches of reality that are sort of piercing through the, uh, the the party atmosphere of most of the movie. Um, but I think it's part of, that's part of the, you know, him, him, I don't want to say seducing you because at least one, the two of us, I don't think we're really seduced by, you know, snorting, uh, you know, Coke off like a hooker's breasts or whatever. But yeah. I do have to say for some people watching this movie, they do. They are enticed by what they're seeing on screen. And I mean, some people watch yeah. the movie and they see it completely as a, uh, inspirational film aspirational film and um i i thought that, but I, do, I think there's something powerful about r- the way he reels people in and then kind of especially at the end with that scene with margot robbie and the kid is like reminding you like this is person is a truly monstrous individual but it's like you you're people are capable of being brought in with a you know i think scorsese is saying there's some, there's some attraction to this kind of wealth partying excess debauchery within all of us. And if you're not attracted to the surface sort of pleasures that I don't think really we are that much, the two of us at least. But I, I thought one of the most powerful moments when I was watching this time was where he's, he's giving his whole speech of he's going to, um, I'm not leaving, you know? And he, he, um, points out one of his employees, who's this woman who he, I think gave a bunch of money to when she was in need. Like he gave her way more. She asked for like an advance cause her mother was sick or something. And he gave her five times as much. And it's a sort of a, a touching story and I'm watching it. And I felt myself getting like choked up as he tells the story. And I've, and then I felt like horrible because it's like, I felt like I was watching like something about Hitler or something. And they're like, I feel as bad as if I was watching something about Hitler and getting choked up, you know? And it's like, mm that's how powerful the movie is. And it's like, he's, you know, he may not win me over with the, you know, snorting Coke and partying and everything, but you know, what does win me over is stories and his storytelling and his sentimentality. And, um, you know, what is kind of an act of kindness, even though, you know, maybe for, you could say it's for mercenary reasons. Um, but it's like, that's the, that's the level of magnetism this guy has, you know? Uh, so it's, yeah. it's, it's in, in that way, I think he's, he is kind of conveying something I would, I would describe as deeper profound, just that, you know, I think we're all capable in some ways of being, of buying into that. Um, even, even when we know how horrible it is. 
Yeah, I think I think probably the biggest blocker for me when when watching that and and I think I'm going to stick by that what we were talking about with the roller coaster, it's a roller coaster that promises you'll throw up on. And some people are going to be like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to take on this challenge. I'm all about I got to witness this once." And there's there's me that I'm like, "I just would rather not go on that ride, you know?" And I did. And I was like, "Okay, you know, like I did it. I'm not really, I don't know. I wasn't no, I, like alert into it too much." No, I can understand that. For you when you watch Goodfellas, I I would ask though, like, "Do you do you that's still a pretty fun movie, though. I mean, that's an entertaining. Yeah. I would describe that as kind of a roller coaster in its way. Is it just that movie is more kind of, I don't know, less less mean spirited, maybe, or you can relate to the people more. I think with Goodfellas, there's like, I don't know, like I love, I, I like. First of all, they're like they are like directly. Um, they are like, they are clearly criminals and they are aware of that, but they're like bought into this lifestyle and that, and still there's a moral grayscale for the characters on the pendulum where in Wolf of Wall Street, it's like, they're all pretty bad characters, you know, like there's not really anybody that you genuinely are like, you either like them because of their charisma, even though they're morally corrupt or you like them even though they're bo- like the, like the FBI guy that's like hunting him down you're like I don't really like him you know like you're you're like I'm not really rooting for him he's pretty miserable like and he's he's cool in his like he's, he's doing cool the right thing plot character. Yeah. yeah he's doing the right thing but it's kind of like you know like I don't know there's nothing there's nothing too much like when he's on screen you're just kind of like he's the adversary for Leonardo DiCaprio's character so I don't know. There's something about, um, like, when I was watching Goodfellas, there's, there still seems to be, like, a sliver of, like, honor and morality within the complexity of, like, you could say, like, bad actions, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I love, I love how Polly is, like, don't sell drugs, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like how, how that's too far for Polly. Um, and then they, they go straight to selling drugs and, and, you know, with, um, like Joe Pesci's character being kind of the, the, the full extreme in that movie, of like where he's just unhinged violence, you know? And, and I don't know, there's just, I, I feel like each character kind of, the characters feel a lot more round in that movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I'm not sure why I I buy into it a little bit more. Um, I think there is it also deeper complexity to some of those characters. I I think I would agree. What were you gonna say, so? Yeah, I also think there's something about it where there. It would be like if there's a movie about. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right. Like there's something about them being thematically gangsters that I'm like. There's already a little bit of buy-in. It could be a movie about them being cowboys. It could have been a movie about them being, mm. you know, maybe even pirates. But suits in Wall Street, it's like no, the, it's, that's an me, interesting. I don't know. I'm like that's like that's like, eh, you know, no, it's not the first thing I want to go see. You know, no, I think there's a, there's something to that. How we 
Because even though people who are, I mean, gangsters are murder. I mean, they're horrible people. But there's something about the, um, I guess it's just that we recognize the archetype from movies and we're so familiar with it from movies that we just accept it more. And also it's like, it's sort of divorced from, unless we grew up near the mob or something, it's so divorced from our lives, we can kind of get on board with it for some reason. But like Wall Street assholes and like suits are much more kind of, uh, I don't know, much more kind of a negative that's like overhanging our lives a lot more, especially nowadays, I think. So it just feels a little bit, even though they're, I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not killing people. You, you could argue they're, they're not as bad people as the mobsters. Um, it's a little bit like you end up, I always make this comparison about how like in Breaking Bad, there was this whole, like people got really mad at the wife in Breaking Bad, you know, cause she was like, you know, kind of annoying and, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a nag versus Walter White, who's like becoming a drug dealer and just like this horrendous person. And I think I always thought the reason people had that relatability or why they got angry at the wife is because regular people or especially men can relate to having a nagging wife, but they can't relate to being married to someone who's a drug dealer. So it's like they get right, more annoyed at right. the archetype that's, more familiar to them, I guess. But with when when someone when it rises to the level of like crime or drug dealing or uh, being in the mafia, it just kind of becomes just the territory of movies, and you end up kind of um, I don't know. You like accept it more. It's the same with like you watch a movie about like contract killers or whatever, Pulp Fiction or something. You're just you kind of go along with it because it's just so so divorced from your reality. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think there is something to that where it's it's disconnected from where you're at, but it's still close enough that you can buy in and understand where they're where it's going. I just I don't know. I think movies about business and offices and things like that, I'm just like oh, like, I just don't care. Like, it's like, I already have to go to, I just have to go to work and stuff. Like, there's not usually a buy-in. And I will say Wolf of Wall Street definitely makes that setting much more interesting and much more exciting. <laughs> I think the movie that really blew me away with that on an emotional level was The Social Network because I did not want to watch anything about Facebook at all. Yes. Uh, and that movie just blew me away. Um, sure. So I it can be done, but I just don't have a, I don't usually have like a a draw to give movies like that a chance. I mean, like people are like, "Oh, you got to watch the movie about them making the Jordan shoes," and I was like, "You you'd have to pay me to go watch that." You know, I that's, just don't care. You know, have, that, have I talked to you about that movie? That's that's a great example no. of that where I I went in completely like, "Why would I care about this story?" But I was like, "Ah, new Matt Damon, I'll check it out," and. That's a, this, that's a more straightforward example where it's just like the charm of the movie and the movie star that you end up just totally becoming invested in it. And then to the point that right. when he's making his big pitch to Michael Jordan, I like I have like tears in my eyes. And, it's, and then if I still step back in ironically from the, from my tearing up, I, I would be so embarrassed and just be like, this is so ridiculous that I'm watching this movie about these salesmen. Um, yeah, <laughs> but that's I don't know. It's, it happens when a movie is good, and when the, when the characters, um, that's a that's it's a little bit different than Wolf because in that movie it just wants you to have a good time. You that's a movie that just wants you to be kind of you know you you have your likable hero Matt Damon. Matt also Matt Damon is kind of like an everyman. You can kind of relate to him just inherently. 
Um, I feel like I actually think Matt Damon has a crazy complexity. Juliana oh. hates Matt Damon. Oh, really? She hates Matt Damon. Yeah, she's like wow. everything he's in. I hate him. So this is this I don't is... know. We just haven't we haven't found the movie that he's the right fit. I mean, I think for her, you know, we watched The Departed and she hated him in that. We watched Downsizing, which she absolutely hated. Oh, that's him. not a, yeah, that's not she a just, very good movie. She just hated I, that movie. I don't really and, actually. I don't like so, really like The Departed either. Actually, so. And then uh, I think she's seen Interstellar, and that name is a villain in that movie. You know, <laughs> so. Um, it's yeah. I Matt Damon isn't winning points in our house yet. I'm not quite sure what the go to no, like, is for him. You guys got to watch like like Ford v Ferrari or or uh, Stillwater or um, you know the Bourne movie. One of these movies were Goodwill Hunting, of course. Um, I think yeah. when he's when he's a hero in the like a lead actor in a movie, he might be my favorite movie star. I feel like he kind of is like what Tom Hanks was, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, where he's just like oh. the all American. Like yeah. guy who's not he's like good looking but not there's there's certain people who it's almost hard to relate to because they're so you know like you know bigger than life more good you know Brad Pitt like Matt you know super handsome movie star Damon and Tom Hanks are a little bit more in the kind of like the regular guy who you you know who's your surrogate in a movie like in Saving Private Ryan um, and honestly mm-hmm. it's funny Matt Damon is the is the kid in Private Ryan but I think if Private Ryan was made now. Matt Damon would probably play the role that uh, Tom Hanks plays in that movie. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's he's one of my favorite. I think I've always underrated him because he always kind of. Um, I think Mick wrote recently. He you never catch him acting once. He never feels like he's acting. He just and he, and he never gets any awards because he always just like oh there's Matt Damon he's just playing himself. Um, but every time I think he's. Fantastic, and even in those movies you named that are not so good, I mean, he's really good in them. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I stump for Matt Damon, uh, but I, I'll leave it at that. We don't need to <laughs> do complete uh, Damon retrospective, though. Maybe in the future of the show. <laughs> well, I think it's probably about time that we talk about the movie that's in the title. Thanks yes. for sharing what you've been watching, Juzo. Uh, sorry, when um, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry, it's part of the show. Uh, if you guys appreciate the show, if you enjoy it, first of all, we just thank you for being here and listening. Uh, we try to post on time every Tuesday. If we don't, something's usually going on with our lives because this isn't our full-time gig, and you know we just <laughs> want to be upfront about that. Giving the show a rating, sharing the show, the show, all of that stuff helps us grow. And uh, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com/ecfsproductions. You can check out the benefits there if you're interested. All of it helps. We just thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate it. Juzo, I know we're gonna get we're gonna talk about deep movies. You know, mm-hmm. Transformers. I it's just Transformers. I always want to. I want to do like you know, the colon and whatever the next title is. I really haven't seen actually any of the sequels to this movie, which is pretty crazy considering how much I was into it uh, when it first came out in middle school. Let me just give some context about this film, what my experience was, and then I'd love to get your take on what you thought. Um, And we can talk about it in sort of the modern context. Mm -hmm. Transformers 1 was probably one of the first movies I can remember that was more of like an adult action movie (laughs) that I watched in in sixth grade. And I absolutely loved every second of it. I remember we bought the Blu-ray disc for it. It was like one of the two Blu-ray discs that we owned when we had a Blu-ray player. Um, and 
I was just watching this with my sixth grade eyes in disbelief that I was seeing the Transformers, you know, fight and blow up the city with each other. And I was like, this is this is incredible. And then there's all this subplot stuff with, you know, teenagers, the government, you know, the military. Uh, there's history with, you know, Archibald Whitwicky in the Arctic. There's just it's just insanity going on in this movie. And for some reason, it just hit all the right points for me uh, in middle school, you know, just being like, there's action, there's the girl, there's the weird nerdy guy that gets the car, there's the military squad that's fighting guys in the desert. I was super into Call of Duty at that time, right? Um, the robots from space, you know, they've got the cool cannons. I think, I, I thought that um, the cast of Transformers, it, it's, it's, I I had pretty much almost all of the action figures at some point, which I was probably too old to be getting action figures, but I was just in love with this movie. Uh, there's five Decepticons and five Autobots, and I was like, that's like the perfect amount, you know? There's just enough of them to like kind of know them all, but there's not too many that you're like completely unaware. My brother and I used to cry over jazz being ripped in half by megatron in the city <laughs> final battle which i'm sure you didn't even notice but we uh -huh. had a megatron action figure that had jazz as well and jazz could be ripped in half so when we had those toys we were like dude r.i.p jazz every time we'd watch this movie, we were like r.i.p jazz you know he's the pontiac you gotta you gotta love the the pontiac car um i think optimus prime's voice is iconic I think that sure. the humor is definitely 2007 humor. It couldn't be made today in some ways. Um, and there's just, I just have rose tinted glasses uh, looking at this movie. So it was really fun to revisit it. I just want to say, I haven't watched this movie in a very long time. I was really surprised how well the beginning opened. I thought the beginning was extremely breakneck pace. Um, and I don't know why I was like, this is actually moving pretty quickly and enjoyably. And I was pretty excited for the end conflict, but in watching it, um, in retrospective, I thought the ending was actually the slowest and the most boring part. And I, the dialogue gets really, um, really Saturday morning cartoon. And that was the part I liked the most when I was younger. Um, just now I was, now I'm like, Oh, that's, that's probably the most, the most boring part of the movie. Juzo, I know this is kind of just a popcorn flick. What what do you think of your first experience with Transformers One? Well, uh, well, let's just start with this. I mean, first of all, I don't mind a popcorn movie, and I, um, it's not. I wouldn't. It's it's a weird example because it's not exactly my first time watching this movie, or at least part of it. That I believe, from what I remember, my dad put this on one time. And I don't know if I was watching it or if I was just in the room as he was watching it. I think I we watched about twenty minutes, and this I was like twelve years old or something. I watched about yeah. twenty minutes, and I then I said I told him I asked him please turn it off because I wanted to instead watch <laughs> the uh, Frost Nixon biopic about Richard Nixon being interviewed uh, by David Frost, this Ron Howard Oscar <laughs> film, which. <laughs> Not only is just amusing in, in terms of illuminating my, you know, interest in whatever, quote unquote, serious movies 
uh, at maybe kind of a young age. But also, is it's sort of funny in retrospect to think about that was my idea of a serious film with some Oscar, you know, Oscar bait movie, you know, by Ron Howard. Um, especially now that I think in some ways Michael Bay might be more respected in film, like serious film cinephile circles than Ron Howard, I think. And, and his movies, I don't know about Transformers in particular, but Bay has definitely, his reputation has come around quite a bit, I think, in terms of, I don't know, I think there's just something about him. It's like, yeah, he's kind of trashy and he's, it's, his movies are kind of stupid, but in a world where a lot of these um, blockbusters feel so anonymous and so kind of, um, you know, conveyor belt uh, produced, his movies at least do have, he, feel, he feels like an auteur. They do have an identity to them. He, he has a visual style. He does have a, he has um, a level of technique, actually. I, I think he's actually, um, there are parts of this movie that look really great and, and, and like really move and, and I really enjoy it. And so in overall, I found it a pretty enjoyable experience for the most part. I do agree, I think, that the finale of the movie it wasn't as bad as I was worried because I would just hear like, you know, robots fighting in a city that to me gives me flashbacks to seeing Man of Steel 10 years ago and, you know, blasting through city buildings and just being the worst thing ever. Um, but it was not quite that level of destruction. And it was it, it was it was pretty watchable. But the parts, you know, early on in the movie, I, I really liked were just the kind of. Um, you know him and him getting the car. It becomes like a car movie for a lot of it. You know him and his his mm-hmm. his uh, his yellow is a Camaro, and uh, yeah, you know the car kind of having a life of its own, which is definitely it feels very. This movie feels very like John Carpenter kind of inspired in those places, like you know by Christine, obviously, um, and and then having when when the robots come to life, it kind of. Um, I don't know. Hamilton has this like kind of like like remind me of Iron Giant or even like those old Spielberg movies like E. T. Where the kid has a secret he's trying to hide from the parents and the whole thing where like the robots are outside the parents' house. It's so silly and 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 in, you know in some ways you know Bay's humor is so kind of sophomoric. But I was I was really kind of enjoying that and there was something kind of endearing about the uh, Optimus Prime and his buddies you know stomping around the backyard and making a huge mess and. Um, I don't know. I, and I just, I, there's, there was, I, I like the characters in the movie. I, I like Shia LaBeouf and, um, I mean, Megan Fox is good enough. I guess she's fine. Um, uh, the supporting cast was a lot of fun. Like the, you, you highlighted the, uh, the nerdy, uh, hacker or whatever whatever anthony anderson the, the guy who yeah, with his grandma anderson. is playing there's also something i just i realized bay does the same gag twice which is um someone a black guy like yelling at his grandmother i guess he just finds that particularly funny um but he, every time that happened i love the bernie mac cameo by the way the the car salesman that was like that might be yeah. my favorite scene actually because he crushes that Dude, scene he's so good that that scene is the scene that my brother and I quote constantly from this movie where we'll get in the car and be like, driver don't pick the car, car pick the driver. You know, and he says that, like, that's like one of our favorite lines from this movie. And, yeah, that like fake and, laugh yeah. he has when he yells at his his mother, whoever that old lady is, and he's like, yeah. he, start, he like gives her, the, he, she gives him the finger, you know, it's, it's so silly, but but I, I just enjoyed that a lot. And all the, 
yeah and all this sort of like teenage stuff it's again it's like i remember i di- distinctly remember watching that part of the movie like the him you know trying to uh pick up megan fox and the car kind of trying to help him score and i remember you know at 12 being like this is so stupid this is really like this is maybe even it's misogynistic like like i just like being such a oh yeah of, probably wear, very much so probably yeah. wearing a suit to the beach <laughs> but i don't know it, to me like i was watching it now i was like yeah, it seems just it's kind of just endearing it's it's kind of sweet it's like yeah. sweet the car is like helping him i i just and also just like the, it was funny like the car playing these songs like playing baby come back and and stuff like that um i'm saying funny yeah like, the, hey, this the, would be really the radio communicating with music, I thought, was actually pretty ahead of its time um, because music within, like, licensed music within the world that the characters are interacting with, with that 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 really, that's that's been existent for a long time, but it's now overused because of its um, explosion with Guardians of the Galaxy, with characters just randomly mm-hmm. clicking their Walkman on, or or there's some reason to have music blasting um in in real time in the scene so i i thought that was i i don't know re- seeing that in use um what was fun to to experience again i always thought that was cool um as a kid although i was frustrated uh that bumblebee didn't have a voice in the movie when i was younger i was like oh like bumblebee's like my favorite like transformer you know like how does he not have um you know a voice and there's other there's other great little cameos like when the camaro pulls up it's sitting right next to like the yellow bug and the yellow bug is what bumblebee used to be in the old cartoon and like, oh right the camaro yeah. like hits hits the car like and and like breaks the window or whatever of it and i was like oh that's that's pretty cool um and there's dumb stuff like you know the whole more than meets the eye thing that they're that they're playing around with but it, it it's for some reason feels much more like um respectful of the ip even though it is like this weird uh like this weird like like it's like the modern adult version that got overdid i mean i know michael bay has some attachment to the teenage mutant ninja turtle movie as well or something i don't know if he's a producer or what um but but it's like we they bring back these other ips and it doesn't feel like it cares at all for any of the source material with these live action renditions and this one it doesn't really fully like recreate what happens in the cartoons the cartoons are a lot different than this movie but um it's nice to see the little homages before we we, we've gotten to the era of franchise milking um because this is kind of the start of that there's something about the movie that feels I'm not sure if it's like a respect for the whatever the product or that sort of thing because it is a silly. It's just like a dumb movie in a lot of ways, but it. I think it's just the 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 level of effort they put into the movie and to the we we were, I think we were talking before we started recording about the the visual effects in the movie and how they feel, even though the movie is 16 years uh, old now, better than most movies nowadays. And I I just think. Um, I always talk about how Iron Man in the first Iron Man, which I think was a year after Transformers, the suit looks way better in that movie than in the movie 10 years after that. And I, you know, I think the reason for that is, you know, studios, you know, rushing movies out, not giving the visual effects teams the right amount of time to really perfect 
uh, the way things should look. And also just movies getting bigger and bigger and the scale of what characters and machines do is the scale is so big now that it just kind of it just looks kind of uh fake i guess but the 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 work they do they put it even though in it's this silly movie it felt like they put a lot of work into like the expressiveness especially of like bumblebee of like that care like when bumblebee got kidnapped in the movie I was like emotionally like I was like caught up. I was like, oh, no, like I felt emotion when it happened. And when he's like tied up in the thing, I was like, oh, no, because it's like those eyes and the way that the character's face moves that it, it you know, it, it personifies this robot. Um, not to mention that little scuttling uh, creature that kind of reminds me. Yeah, of the, that's the what I think Carpenter reminds you of the thing. Yeah. Running yeah. around um, that sort of also has like a lot of personality to it. Um, and then that combined with, I think, I, Bay just has a sense of style and he has a sense of like where to put the camera and how to shoot these scenes. And he's he's not a great action filmmaker, but I think he's he's pretty good. And he has the ability to create a lot of, especially that sense of like anticipation where like there's guys, you know, like the SWAT team moving in and like, the you know, tracking shots of these guys moving in or, you know, the camera whizzing around a person you know, as he's in the middle of the street, there's that one shot where there's a, for whatever reason, the camera just focuses on this beautiful uh, woman on the street as one of the transformers sails over her head. And the camera goes like whizzing around her as she's looking up. And, um, you know, again, it's like, it's ludicrous, but there's, it looks really cool. And I think a lot of uh, modern movies, it just feels kind of, um, I don't know if it's, I mean, of course that is done with a computer in 2007, but it just thinks you don't feel like directors are having as much fun with the, the frame and with the kind of, with the medium, um, as Bay is having here sometimes to his own detriment, but most of the times, you know, to his benefit. So it's like, if it feels like it's more, it's taken a little more seriously because of that effort. And then at the same time, I think there's also just something that's nice about the movie that it, it doesn't feel, I, I also contrastingly feel a lot of movies these days are a little bit kind of um, like self-serious about like we need to like make it important or, you know, it'll be like the most frivolous movie, but it's like this movie needs to be kind of, um, you know, it has to be saying something. It has to have kind of some kind of um, feeling of like we're exploring grief or you know, it's like there's always, there's a sense of you know even in the you know Marvel movies I mean in the case of Guardians that was a good thing because that that last movie handled it very well but some of these movies are just kind of I mean, the Zack Snyder movies are just so dour and kind of self serious and so it's cause it was also just nice to watch this movie that has a has a real um, you know, just a, a, a sense of its own importance, which is that it's not that important, that it's just kind of a fun adventure and it's some likable characters and it doesn't need to be kind of weighed down with any kind of, I mean, it, en- just enough emotion to make you care about like, oh no, they've captured Bumblebee or whatever. Um, but but nothing, you know, not, nothing that tips it in. I think that's why the even at the big kind of fighting spectacle at the end that I don't like very much um I wasn't like pissed off because I was just you know the the movie it is is has a tone that's not uh making me depressed I guess yeah I think I think just to touch on the visual effects and to touch on some of like the way that the plot pulls you along um the visual effects thing I really noticed how Michael Bay uses real like 
in shot environments with the CGI. One of the the one of the one of the scenes that I think about all the time is with with the dam where Scar uh, Starscream flies in as a jet, and then he transforms and like flips himself up on top of the dam. There's like just one shot where he like flies underneath it and flips on top of the dam, and it's like he the the reason that there's something. The reason it holds up, I think, in in some kind of modern lens is that the characters that are CGI are interacting with the real environment around them, and it somehow doesn't look like it's clashing. And I think that's what's super difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Even scenes with characters on the buildings, like the camera is 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 doing things where there are there are things like in the foreground that are out of focus because you're you're watching something that's on the building um, or a transformer like jumping on the building and, and like the helicopter shot or the cameras inside another building, you know, like there's, there's really good uses of, of the real world around the CGI that I think makes it much more compelling. Um, another shot that I love in the final fight is where Megatron and Optimus are like beating each other up. And then it cuts to that camera that's inside the office building and like Optimus Prime, like f- like falls into the building. Like you're the it cuts from the fight to him getting like launched into the building, and the camera's like in the building, you know? Yeah. Oh, um, right, right, yeah. And you see the people. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so there's always people around. I, that's the other thing that this movie does. There's always people. It's not a ghost town. There's always people running around in the in the in the finale. Um, and just to touch on like kind of the emotional like plot draw. The film starts introducing these characters that, you know, they're 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 pretty two note. A lot of them are two note. There's not a there's not a lot of roundness to them, um, but they all have a charisma on screen that when you're watching them like run around with this ridiculous CGI action, there is a little bit of investment, and I think it's driven by that charisma with uh, the characters only really having two notes. You know, like. Because a lot of like you know uh, like the the Colonel um, Josh uh, was it Dun Dan Hamill oh, do, do Dan Hamill yeah do Hamill like to me I'm like he's the most like love like you love that character a lot for some reason because he, he the movie starts with him being like I have a daughter that I got to get home yeah, to yeah yeah and it's it very gives you simple. the little Colonel yeah. at the beginning yeah. it gives you the little yeah it gives you the little thing to be invested and then to see him in his his boys like also interacting at the beginning of the movie where they're like bantering um, to them. Like, like one of my favorite scenes in this movie, even when I was a kid was the, the scorpion fight in the desert where they're like kind of out there. They have these really great, huge vistas and the, the squad is silhouetted on like the desert Hills. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, like the tail that comes up and like stabs that guy and he goes flying. And then there's that great shot of all of them, like running in slow-mo and like the, the scorpions like coming up out of the sand and i was just like watching it again for this time i was like this like this is still good you know like i still really yeah. enjoyed the, that scene like and uh, i was pretty surprised because i thought a lot of it would be uh pretty stupid but yeah i, I heard yeah. that scene he blew up some real there's a part where, where it comes out of the sand this is the other thing i think that makes the movie more tactile is michael bay loves blowing stuff up so oh even yeah well oh, the yeah. creature might be uh, CGI, the impact of whatever's happening, 
I think it was I read was a, a real and I think very dangerous explosion, and the actors really like had to book it because they would have been in serious. I mean, I think he sometimes goes maybe a little over the line in terms of endangering people with all these explosions. But in terms of how it looks on screen, it, it definitely makes it look pretty good. Cool. There's also an amazing shot where where Duhamel and and Tyrese are. Um, they're kind of in that like siege over in that little desert village, and mm-hmm. they they he I think Tyrese like calls something in on the radio, and the camera like swoops down below them as like two planes fly over them. I don't know if the planes yeah. are real. But I guess they could have CGI'd that in, but whatever the timing of that shot was, is just the sort of thing that I really I just I like when that it just hits sort of perfectly, you know. Um, and you could tell uh, Michael Bay has that military back in this movie. They they, oh, they yeah. use oh, so yeah. many like crazy vehicles in this, and they're not they're not fake. They're definitely real. Um, I was always excited to see like the AC one thirty with the huge cannon that shows up and shoots the um, the scorpion. That 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 jet is like always in Call of Duty. It's the one with the massive cannons on the side of it. Um, so like. When I was in middle school, I was like, oh, my gosh, like that's from Call of Duty. That ship is amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, and to see that, like, just I don't know. It, it was definitely um, fueled with hype. I actually I, there's a lot of small action moments that I still think hold up really well, like uh, Starscream, like fighting a bunch of the F-22s in the sky around the cityscape and the, the, the helicopter or like the camera shots kind of just going through the city while the jets are like flying around and stuff. I was like, well, this is, you know, like it's still, it's still pretty good. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think as far as action, like the action movie stuff goes, like, it's like, this is why Michael Bay is known for it. Um, there was one other practical effect I want to talk about that's pretty, that that's covered a lot in the behind the scenes, but there's a scene where bone, like where Optimus Prime fights Bone Crusher, like on the freeway, um, when they're going into the city. There's like that that like tan truck, and Optimus mm-hmm. Prime like fights him like on the there's like a like all those like exit ramps and whatnot that they're fighting on uh, on the freeway, and Bone Crusher like transforms and like smashes through a bus, and the bus like blows up in half. And they like oh, actually yeah. did that, like oh, in wow. real life. Like they blew, they have this rig where they like blow up the bus and it like explodes in half. And so they're like, yep, yeah, now we're just gonna CG in the guy like right there after they blew it up in real life. And I was like, that's just the kind of stuff that they don't, they don't even like no, you don't waste do money on that anymore. No, never. Yeah, but it's like, it, I think it, I think it does, it does add more. Like it is, it mm-hmm. is what makes, I think, um, Cause I don't know. I was looking at Michael Bay's other movies. It's like none of these are considered fantastic movies, you know. Um, but you got it. Like he is one of those guys that can still do it like the old school way. And there's, it's like listening to a uh, a record from a band that has been established for a little while, and you know that they're doing they're recording stuff uh, in an old manner, and that's what makes it kind of stand out with this color to the record that's that's um even though it might not be the best record you've heard and maybe it's not as good as their old stuff there's a quality of production that's there that um modern musicians don't usually pay attention to that right they're not Mm. they're not on that level i always think of like i know i always bring them up but like coldplay their music is it sounds expensive 
but it's also because they've been around. <laughs> they used to they used all that old expensive stuff in the past, so they're gonna still kind of incorporate that into their their most modern record. It might not be the best music you've heard. Uh, it might not you might not even like it as much as as the the stuff that people uh, make. You know, that, like today with without the old method of production, but there is a a deeper sound complexity to those to those records because they're attached to that i think probably a, a better record to to point to that does this flawlessly and it's considered one of the best is daft punk's random access memory that that record sounds like the most expensive record you'll ever listen to and it's recorded like with a lot of classic recording methods oh yeah uh, yeah it sounds very retro yeah yeah and that's what makes it like it really pops not with the music being great as well, but oh, yeah. um, it 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 has something to it, and I think Michael Bay is still attached to some of the old school stuff. I mean, I wanna I wanna continue talking about this Juzo, but the reason well, I wanted you to watch Transformers one uh, is because I want to talk about Ambulance. But I'm gonna let you. <laughs> I wanna I wanna let you continue your last thoughts, and then we can talk talk about uh, a more modern Michael Bay movie well, and, and for- loop it back into this. Firstly, I just want to, I don't want to turn this into like the music podcast, but I have, it's funny, I've just been listening to Random Access Memories a lot because mm. they put out the 10th anniversary and that's yeah. just fantastic. And going back to Coldplay, I was, I was just thinking about the, um, I've been watching that Super Bowl, you know, where they did the, I think it was like the 50th Super Bowl or something like that. It was, yeah. it was some, yeah. some big event and it was them and then also Beyonce and Bruno Mars, um, and it was just that I just first of all it just made me like realize how much of the Coldplay music has, even though I like don't think of myself as like a fan or someone who's listened to them. That music like is like has like meaning in my life. Like I have this association maybe just from my childhood or whatever. But it's it's fantastic and he's just great. And then um, that I just I was I'd want to shout out that that uh, Super Bowl video because it's some of the best directed like live music I've ever seen just in terms of like the visuals yeah. and the staging of it. It's it's really like an astonishing video. Um, anyway, sorry not to, not to take things in another direction. No, 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 um, no. It's good. Shout out to the Coldplay guitarist too, like major influence. I know people are like, oh, he's just just a U two clone. It's like that you don't play. Guitar. Oh no, the, you don't know. That him. was great. You That's don't know. great. That riff he plays on. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know the names of the song, but there's it's the song he plays like right before uh, Bruno comes out is is just great. I think well the other probably, thing I just want to yeah probably Adventure of a Lifetime or something. I, I think that's Although, it. Yeah, yeah. I I I think part of why I bring that up is just the idea of I never watched the Super Bowl. I've never I had never watched that performance because I know ne- I haven't watched the Super Bowl maybe ever like at least in years, and I was like. Wow, I just I let this. It was like the most probably one of the most watched performances, one of the most watched you know, fifteen minutes of a video ever filmed, and I, I never saw it because it was like really popular. It's like sometimes the stuff that's really great is just you know is just right in front of you, and sometimes you know, just because Coldplay is you know I don't know if they get a bad rap or they sometimes I think they just maybe because they're so popular I think they end up getting it's a little bit I think like Spielberg it's like there's certain artists when they get so popular people kind of go yeah yeah you they roll their eyes but then you go and experience what they make and you're like hey actually this person is really talented i don't know if i'd go as far to say coldplay is like the spielberg of the musical world because i mean like spielberg is like you know top five but 
you know, sometimes sometimes it is the most popular, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just but what was the question you want to ask me? for me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible hot take for me just on that Super Bowl. I I could not care at all for Beyonce. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I just don't understand any of the draw with her. I don't get it. So do you not like her any uh, of her music? I'm just I'm not sure what I'm supposed to like. My what am I? Oh my I, god! I I'm well, really not sure. Well, you better watch out, Isaac. This is going to be people are going to get really. Mad. I'm not particularly <laughs> invested either way. I'm pretty agnostic. Have you met? I, have I like her met, songs like the least. a. F- have you have you met somebody that's like a huge Beyonce fan? Because I haven't. I think I think they're maybe older than us. I don't know. I know. I remember there's maybe some people in my high school. I don't know. I mean, I remember one person. There was one girl in my high school who asked me. She's like, she's like, would you want to be Beyonce? And I was like, yeah, because then I would just have a lot of money and then I'd make whatever movie <laughs> I want. And she's like, okay, man, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like some of her music. I definitely think her songs in that show are the least, are like my least favorite. I mean, I like Uptown Funk and I like the Coldplay stuff more. But I love the choreography. I mean, like her part of it where it's those, well, and it's so funny because everyone like got, there was like, when I read about that show, everyone was just mad about, you know, the her dancers being dressed kind of like Black Panthers. And it's like, wow, you're really missing the forest for the trees because that was like some really awesome choreography and just the, just the, perfor- yeah. it was like the performance of the whole thing. It reminded me of when I watched like West Side Story or something where I'm just like, look at the the craft and the spectacle of this thing. Um, well, so, if you're going to tell me that I should buy in because of dancing and stuff, like, yeah, I'm not. Like, no, in terms <laughs> just, of music, no, it's not a, not a great yeah. argument. She's a good yeah, singer. The, I mean, she's a great the, voice. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, she has a great voice. She does have a great voice. There's no denying that. I just, uh, yeah, never. I'm never like got to turn on single ladies, you know. So, <laughs> okay. I the guess. other, the other thing is, is that I, you know, what's weird is that same with this is gonna, this is really gonna infuriate people. Same with Bruno Mars, man. Like, for me, Bruno Mars is an incredible musician. I just whenever I see him, I just don't like him. Like I just don't like him. And well, he's, he's he's a ham. Extreme, I mean, yeah, he's so talented. But like, I think isn't that the performance where he plays the drums? No, right? no, he's just no, he's just singing. Uh, he sings any 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 dances. He has some dancers with him. Oh, okay. There's one Super Bowl performance where he like gets on the drum set set and starts playing drums, and I'm just like, "Ew! Like, why? <laughs> you know, like, why are you doing this?" You You're know? pretty sensitive like, to this stuff. I, I don't know. I know. I mean, I, I didn't just, see that uh, performance, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, turn. she she does formation, and then and then it becomes this like call and response. You know what? Also, uh, I'm sorry. We're go- oh, we shouldn't be. We're way off topic now. But <laughs> that that video is so cool because. I I started watching the Super Bowl thing because I saw behind the scenes of the live directing of it where you see this woman calling out the shots. And there's this one part where she calls out the numbers really fast because in time with the song, it's going, the camera is like half a second going between Bruno and Beyonce. And then they kind of meet in the middle. And then she, I think she like yells the cameraman. She's like, go Joe. And then Joe, the cameraman, does this like sweeping, circling shot around. Them. So I'm, I'm as interested in this in terms of uh, directing as much as the music itself. Though I do, Uptown Funk is like one of those songs that is again, like ingrained in my like high school yeah. years. Like it's just one of these things that um, you couldn't escape from, but it was like a pretty cool song, I thought. Um, 
But yeah. anyway, getting back to Michael Bay, I'm sorry. What, what would you want me to, what do you want to ask me about? Ambulance? Uh, yeah, so there's really not too much more I want to hit on with Transformers. We could go into all the negatives, but we're not cinema sins. I mean, this movie is not perfect. There's a lot of cringy. There's some, I'm not going to say a lot. There's some cringiness to this movie. Um, there's yeah, a lot not of all dialogue the humor that, lands. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's dialogue that's that's kind of obnoxious. I think once um, that Agent Simmons character shows up who... There's just some of it that kind of falls flat, and it, or it's 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 more like nails on a chalkboard. It's not that it's not funny. It's just there's something irritating about that entire <laughs> sequence once he See, shows up. And maybe I'm just triggered from being younger having to watch that. But um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, what, I, what I definitely. Think? Well, as a kid, I, that would probably annoy me, like this guy just coming in and being kind of obnoxious. But as an adult, I was. I had forgotten John Turturro was in the movie and he's just like an actor I really yeah. like. So when he got out of the car, I literally, I think out loud, I was like, oh yeah, here we go, you know, because I was yeah. happy to see him. <laughs> and he, his, I thought his performance was just a delight because he's just totally goofing around. He's totally chewing the scenery. Um, and him sort of playing off of Chaya and playing off of the, I really liked the father actually in the movie, and but the parents were a lot of fun and particularly Kevin yeah. Dunn as the father. Yeah. Was was like some of that stuff is really kind of not like the all the he the whole thing about him like masturbating in his room is like that I didn't really think that was very funny, um, but some of the lines and some of that like when yeah, the parents react yeah. when Megan Fox shows up was kind of funny and um, and also just kind of you know again it's like there's a like it's a likability to it beyond every joke landing it just kind of makes the movie like a nice you know you you enjoy the company of these characters um so i was okay with Turturro. i felt like in the f- climax of the movie that he and john voigt like all the, all the characters who are in that bunker like doing the morse code kind of get wasted like they do the morse code and then i don't think they're ever seen again in the movie um yeah so they're not, not they're not totally all worked. around after that yeah yeah i, th- yeah. I think it's just my yeah. problem with the end- oh go ahead go ahead Oh yeah, sorry. I think we have a little bit of a, de- a little bit of a delay. So yeah, no I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the parents are great. I, w- I also didn't. I wanted to talk about like the Air Force One stuff and and Defense Secretary because I there, there's some elements there, but I do think they are wasted because, um, yeah, I mean the hackers and Defense Secretary and then like the Sector Nine guy. Like you kind of want more from what they're doing in that room, uh, and then when they kill that little thing robot it's like okay like uh for i know that would be stupid but it would be kind of fun if they somehow showed up again i don't know why uh but you you do want some of that well especially anthony anderson i think like i I mean you could have just maybe i don't know if you could have cut out that whole section of the movie but it does feel like there's too many characters but on the other hand i did again it's it's so stupid and it's like i shouldn't like the, uh, me of me of 15 years ago would, would you know look down on me of now but now i'm just like i did think the part where he eats all the donuts was kind of funny and i did like the part where yeah. he's saying like we <laughs> yeah. got to be super cool and then the guy just like hits the table really softly and it's like she did it she did it is it's so dumb but i i was i don't know it was just amusing to me um I, so love, I, I, was, I love I was, Anthony Anderson this this movie cements him as like one of, whenever he's on screen for any reason i i just get like way too happy uh yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think i think he's in um departed right this movie called c spot run that i watched as a kid oh my god you, yeah he you is c spot run friend, 
bro, this movie. Have you seen this movie? No. Oh, Juzo. <laughs> I, we, we I never heard of it until you brought it up. Oh, man. Yeah, we got to watch this movie. You know, 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, this, is, this movie to me is kind of the same energy, but like Anthony Anderson is like the main character's bro who's just chilling playing playstation in the house and stuff like i don't know he's he's great i i love him whenever he's on screen so i don't know if i've seen him in a movie that's like 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 absolutely excellent i don't know he's just one of those comedic actors that uh it's just exciting to to see him on screen probably mostly for nostalgia for me but Mm -hmm. um well, I think I think overall, um, I I think part of what it is is I I just think Michael Bay might be a better, like I like him more as like a car movie. Like I like him at a lower scale than where this movie ultimately goes. I think there's yeah. something about his the way he shoots action. I think the biggest problem is he doesn't like you. We talked you talked about I don't know the names of the Transformers. I'm sorry, but the guy who gets pulled in half, which is very upsetting yeah. to young Isaac and your brother. Um, but I barely <laughs> even noticed. Um, when that guy gets pulled, that's, that's, but that's the key thing I'm saying is like, I barely, I did notice it, but I didn't, it didn't have any like impact. There's no buildup to it. It almost happens like in a split second and the movie just sort of launches headlong into the next thing. And I think there's something about it that's a little bit kind of, um, there's a number of parts in the movie, like the, including the first part where Shia sees the transformer. It's kind of yeah. like, he, it just, he just sees it, you know? And I was thinking about, again, we don't want to always, you know, go back. We can't, we, we can't expect all directors to be the maestro, but I was thinking, I was thinking of Spielberg cause this movie is definitely evoking him. And also I think he produced the movie, um, and how him and like other great, you know, action filmmakers, they would probably, you know, like Jurassic Park. What's the, the famous scene in Jurassic Park? The the T Rex arrives. It's not just they look up and it's there. It's you hear the distant sound. You see the water ripples. You see kind of a shape through the, you know, through the rain. It's a it's a build up to these things. And I think there's a lot of action beats that he kind of rushes through. Like he doesn't have quite the discipline with some of that stuff, which I, I think part of why it makes those scenes kind of not work as well but when in the movie is kind of more in like a hangout mode and kind of it almost like reminded me of like a car like american graffiti or something like teenagers and cars and that sort of thing and uh you know it it, it for me i enjoyed those parts more i also just i like car- this movie is such a kind of a um teenage boy bait you know <laughs> i mean in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. for me what gets me is like cool cars you know and like cool you know like military guys running around and you know the camera swooping around people but if you're also if you're you know 10 15 years old watching this you know i mean it's like the, it also is like this ultimate male fantasy of like a cool you meet a your car is a cool robot and it helps you score with the hottest girl in your school like it's such a silly like male fantasy but i don't know there's a part of that 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 makes it kind of amusing and, and fun to me i think yeah, the the like the teen drama elements. For some reason, I think that's what actually, like the family dynamic and the the comedy around that. That's what made my parents a little bit more like bought into this movie being okay for me to watch. Although I think they were they regretted it uh, by the time the credits rolled. Because um, I think I don't know my my mom is kind of a sucker for those kind of movies every once in a while. 
And uh-huh. so she was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cute. Like the family and the kid and stuff. Um, I think I wasn't allowed to watch the sequel because um, like he goes off to college and there's like a little bit more of the college party stuff represented in the in the movie. Right. Uh, and also, I think the second movie is a lot more racist with the Transformers as well. Oh, um, okay. So, I, yeah, my, I, my parents were like, yeah, I think we're done watching Transformers movies. Um, although I was like pretty, I I was pretty addicted to playing the, I had the second, the second movies video game. And that was like my, my, my like experience for, for watching the second one. And I, I loved that video game a lot. Well, for Um, everything I've heard is that the, the, all of the sequels, at least the base sequels have sucked. So I think you're not, may, you may not have missed much. And in fact, I think that's kind of what cemented his reputation for a while is like the worst Hollywood director, like the enemy of art in Hollywood, just because he kept turning out these crappy uh, sequels. But now it's interesting because yeah, he's like turned around. Anyway. Yeah, I think the... Um, I remember watching clips of like what happened <laughs> or the action clips on YouTube from the second and the third movie because I was like, I got to see what happens with, uh, you know like Optimus Prime and like, you know, what what's going on and somehow like, you know, the Megatron is back. Glenn, my my brother and I also actually like the um the uh what is it? The original cartoon. We used to watch oh, that yeah. as well. So um I think it was cool because we had like one or two toys that were like retro Transformer stuff and we we're like, yeah, this is cool, but like we don't quite get it. And then this movie really clicked with us where we were like, oh, yeah, like like there's the the robots now in like a real context. There's something about it where we would see like a Camaro on the street. And be like, oh, yeah, that, that's like Bumblebee, whereas the old cartoon like didn't do that for us at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah. as far as like mar- a marketing ploy, right, Hasbro. Oh the yeah, the cartoon no, was created right for the toys, and this movie sh- probably should have been a little more kid friendly, <laughs> but it still worked with with selling the toys to us. Um, oh, for and, sure. And I think there, there's there's something ingenious about it. Um, I want to read some reviews from Google, and then I promise <laughs> we're going to get to talking about Michael Bay and ambulance and stuff too, because I want to I want to loop that in, and I okay. watch that. Um, Let's see. Let's see if I can. What should we do? Should we do some high rated, uh, some high reviews, and then some low reviews? What do you think? Uh, I whatever. Well, dealer's choice, Isaac. I don't know. All right. Okay. A lot of okay. A lot of these. A lot of these movie or a lot of these reviews are talking about how nostalgic this movie was for them and how much they love. Uh, they love revisiting it. Um, let's see. <laughs> All right, here we go. This, this, this sounds like a fun review and it, it's probably agreeable, but, uh, this is a three out of five from someone named Dana Washington. Transformers is the quintessential six out of 10 movie. <laughs> the fight scenes, the music, the comedy, the CGI, it's all amazing. The plot, the acting, and the pacing is decent enough to keep me in my seat for two hours, but my biggest gripes with the film are the characters and the dialogue. Most of the characters have no development. They just fulfill their roles in the story. Sam and his girlfriend are the only ones that see- receive a little bit of development. 
The dialogue is pretty choppy and the actors sometimes speak their lines way too quickly, but the dialogue did truly fit the characters. So that is a plus overall. I think the movie is above average and it isn't a waste of your time. So that's like kind of the middle of the ground yeah. review. That's interesting. Cause that's, I, I would probably all, I would probably agree. Like I would give it a six out of 10, maybe six and a half, but it was, I don't agree that the, I mean, it's like, yeah, the characters are two dimensional. Like, it's just like, what were you expecting in a Transformers movie? I, I, to me, it was. Yeah. I, 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 to me, to me, in a movie like this, all you can ask for is the characters. Are they fun? Do you enjoy their company? And to me, the answer was yes. I don't think even, the, and I, we didn't even talk about just the character of the robots. But I like the kind of like the characterization of the of all the are the Autobots are the good ones, right? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of, of Optimus Prime and his buddies, like I, I like they had these personalities, and I, I thought, it, I thought it was, it worked for me, I guess. Here's a here's a negative review, maybe from an OG fan. This is not the Transformers. This is a big, loud summer blockbuster that's big and awesome because it doesn't adhere to any boring classic movie making rules like plot and to make sure that the viewer can actually follow what's happening. I understand the jump cuts. I get unstable camera shake for realism. And I understand that Michael Bay thinks, uh, what man, this review is bad. I understand this that Michael Bay thinks is happening here. I think he means that the Michael Bay thing is happening here. I think it's unwatchable and none of it has anything to do with the transformers. Um, so there's a lot of like OG fans for the transformer stuff that, um, that that say that this movie is not like it is not like hitting on what Transformers is all about. I do want to watch the original Transformers cartoon movie that was yeah. released because I hear it's I hear it's traumatic. Like I know people there's some people is, really this, ride for that. Yeah. This is a spoiler for it, but I think from what I've heard, when did that movie come out? Transformers cartoon movie. Let me see. It's like the 90s, maybe? Movie. I know it has that, like, you got the touch song in it. Oh. 1986. Uh, Yeah, 1986, an hour and 25 minutes. I'm pretty sure Optimus Prime gets his head blown off in the beginning. Oh. Like, right away. Like, like Optimus Prime is, like, executed at the beginning of the movie, which... This has people had kids like traumatized with watching this, which I think is kind of crazy that uh, I don't know. I don't know what um, fans of of uh, <laughs> fans of Transformers wanted from a live action movie. Um, but it's the cartoon is very different. Yeah. It's like um, from what I remember, it's like the Autobots land in like the desert in their ship they like crash land uh and so like the decepticons and the autobots it's kind of like like mega mind you know where, <laughs> where it's the two superhuman two two super forces that like crash land except now they're both in the desert and they're and it's like i think the plot of the cartoon is that megatron is harvesting the core of the earth for energy okay. and the entire like it's like the they they're just trying to get enough energy to get off the planet, you know. So, it, but then like Optimus Prime is like, you're basically gonna do the same thing that you did to our planet, 
and it's a Saturday morning cartoon meant to sell toys. So, huh. um, yeah, well, it's. I don't think it's overly complex. Yeah, is it okay if I Although, read a review I, I found? I th- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, of, of course. I just I wanted to say one last thing, even though I haven't seen the 1986 Transformers movie. I do think that the plot. Let me see. Well, it says in the, that the movie is it about the big planet, the big planet Transformer. I think that's in the newest Transformers movie that's coming out this summer. Um, I forget what oh, what the Rise name of, of the that beast or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead and go ahead and read your review. Well, I, I just Unicron. Found, I just, yeah, I like it's this like quote. the huge one. Okay, okay. I, f- I found this review that just reads. I mean, it's this is just an excerpt. I think Michael Bay sometimes sucks. Parentheses Pearl Harbor, Armageddon, Bad Boys Two, but I find it possible to love him for a movie like Transformers. It's goofy fun with a lot of stuff that blows up real good and has the grace not <laughs> only to realize how preposterous it is. But to make that into an asset, that's from Roger Ebert. May he rest in peace. One of our greatest, maybe our greatest film critic, um, who seemed like he enjoyed this film quite a bit, and I, I was <laughs> amused reading that that first paragraph of his review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I the only other Transformers movie that I wanted to give a shot was probably the Bumblebee movie because it seems like it has a little bit more positive reviews. Yes, ninety one percent. Yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wow. Um, so that's that's not that's not too bad. Um, so I might I might eventually get around to that one. I did watch a video essay on the Transformers trilogy and then the fourth movie, and it does look just just quite horrible. So um, I can definitely I, imagine I how yeah you could make a really awful version of this where it's just if you make the scale mo- bigger and you have you know, more of those giant robots punching each other, it could be really tiresome. And then by contrast, if, if Bumblebee is something that's a little bit smaller scale, um, I could see that working in its favor, something that's a little bit more, because I like yeah. the small town aspect of it, you know, and just, I, I almost wish it had been a little bit more like one of those classic Spielberg. I was also thinking of like Super 8, you know, like the J.J. Abrams movie. It's kind of reminded me of that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Where it's like, you know, kids discover something. And I always feel like when movies get, the scale gets bigger. Unless you're James Cameron or you're Spielberg or someone, it usually is a, is a detriment. Yeah, I think the third one, The Dark of the Moon, is like the entire movie is them fighting over Chicago. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like this huge wonderful. war over Chicago, but I don't know. I I might try to sit. I might try to get through a lot of this. I the Google review is still four point five, which I'm surprised by, and Transformers two, four point two, much yeah. less liked. Much I think it's liked, Transformers so. two happened during the previous writers' strike, so the movie was made with none of the onset. You know the, the the people you know writers on set are big movies are often rewriting stuff, fixing things, and I think it was the second Transformers where they didn't have that. So, from what I've heard, that's that movie suffers a lot because of that. Well, it looks like the fourth one has a horrendous. It's like a three on Google, and it seems like Google's much more positive than the other ones. 
And then the one after that is not good. So maybe I'll get through the original trilogy and check out Bumblebee. Um, one last thing, shout out for, to music is I think uh, the direct or the the composer Steve Jablonski. Jablonski, yeah, that's yeah. how you say it. Uh, I loved this score when it first came out, and this is when I was getting into like band music and whatnot. I, I thought it was, um, I thought it was great watching it this time. I thought the score was kind of just generic-ish, but at least there were character themes that were present, and I was like, I kind of miss that compared to all of now the modern like, uh, 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 what is it? Just textural music that every movie does. It was um, it was good enough. Oh, that was another take from your podcast that I just couldn't believe. You didn't you say you didn't like the Top Gun Maverick score? I was like, Isaac, this is a bad take. Oh friend. yeah, dude. Bad yeah, take. whatever. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> I just I hate did. the Top Gun Maverick thing. I hate any Top Gun music. Uh, so I guess wow. that completely devoid. Now, if anybody hears that, like they, he doesn't like Beyonce and he doesn't like the Top Gun theme. Yeah, like these okay. things that everyone likes in the world. Yeah, it's shocking. Well, well, here's the thing. I'm a guitar player, so once you hear somebody play that that stupid riff on guitar, I'm just like, it's like you might as well just play Stairway to Heaven, you know, uh-huh, which is a great uh-huh. song, but I just don't want to hear it anymore, you know. I'm just, I can't, I can't connect. There's no, there's no nostalgic connection. There's nothing there for me. Oh, I'm so. sorry for bringing it up, um, but yeah, yeah, I felt like the score in, in Transformers. I thought it was just like good enough. Like, there's so much this movie. I would just say is like. It's it was it was it was as good as it needed to be, you know. It was just, it was good enough. Like Megan Fox's performance, um, the whatever, the, the humor in the movie, and I thought the music was in the same sort of category. Where it's like it was it was fine. It was it was definitely very. I'm not sure if he's part of the Hans Zimmer like coalition, but it was very kind of like diet Hans Zimmer kind of thing. He, I also yep, noticed yep. it's there's definitely some replicated like temp music in the movie, which is this is like super, you know nerd tangent coming up but it's like i could tell when he's driving around you know looking for megan fox that the uh the they're replicating the theme to american beauty but it's like he has jablonski write it it's like what he they do a lot where yeah. it's like they lay over temp music and then the composer writes something that's different enough it can you know slip under copyright but is basically just kind of a an homage to that um, so mm-hmm. I, I noticed a little bit of that and actually by contrast there was a, a little bit of a, a refrain in this movie that reminded me of something in The Dark Knight Rises um, but I'm not sure if that's like you know you never know if this is intentional or if it's just kind of like people pulling from the same uh, you know uh, mu- music archive or whatever I don't know yeah but it was, it was good it was fine worked for me and I liked all the songs and I really liked the ending of the movie was like the most 2000s. It was like Linkin Park or something. Yeah, I've, li- I've literally yeah, heard yeah, that yeah. song where other people edit like if Tenet came out in the 2000s and it's that song. Yep. So when that song started playing, I just like started laughing and yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, it's 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 like I, it's an iconic and somewhat comedic ending. So, yeah, I, that's the other thing. OK, everybody probably thinks my music taste is horrible. I'm a huge Linkin Park fan. Oh, yeah. Let's go. You know, Cameron hates Lincoln Park too. Lincoln, so. Lincoln Park, but Maybe. not Beyonce. Interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. Give me the rap rock. Let it just. I just let me listen to bad music. That's all. That's what I'm all about. I'm gonna save myself, but just by saying again, listen to Random Access Memory. That's fantastic. Yeah, if you haven't listened to the whole album, you've made a huge mistake. I know people stopped at what is it like the great 
Jabrowski or yeah, the great Giorgio. I, oh, I know. I have I couldn't listen through that. The guy started talking. Giorgio by uh, that is like an incredible song. That is, that is a great like song. Just listen to the whole record. Also, Giorgio Moroder. The amount of great songs that guy is responsible for is like like Flashdance. All the songs in Flashdance. All the songs in like in Top Gun. And not not the Top Gun theme, but like the soundtrack of Top Gun. Every like every eighties thing is is Moroder. Anyway, yeah. Well, sorry, back on the music thing. But anyway, can I yeah. say one other thing about Transformers that I just want to note? I think you may have touched on earlier, but the guy who voices Optimus Prime. That's like one of the coolest voices I've ever heard. In a movie. I know they're you know, oh the, yeah the sound effect and the guy's actual voice because he actually has this deep voice it's really cool um, yeah but, you don't even really care what he's saying right yeah he's just kind of you're just bought in it sounds Peter so Cullen. cool yeah pure color yeah. yeah he does the voice of Optimus Prime in like everything he's got kind of the Mark Hamill draw right yeah he's in the original cartoons he's in all the video games um, well all the major video games I would say um. And uh, his, I'm so glad that they didn't cut him out of this. Yeah, uh, it's nice when you have the real voice actors for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if they got the original voice actors for Megatron and Starscream as well, because um, I'm trying to look. Hugo, we- oh my gosh, Hugo Weaving oh, <laughs> is, really? is Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Wow, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, man, Elron, Elron—that's <laughs> crazy to me. I would have never guessed. But huh. Sc- Starscream's Starscream's voice in a uh, in the original cartoon is hilarious. Like <laughs> the Starscream and Megatron both, I think, have have hilariously rasp screaming voices, like high pitched rasp screaming voices uh in 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 the in the cartoon so i thought it would be hilarious if it was the same guys but um i also love the abusive relationship between megatron and starscream that's barely shown in this movie but in the cartoon he like hates his second in command which is 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 great and i i don't know if they do that more in the other movies but he has a he has a moment in this movie where he's like, "You fail me once again, Starscream, just for a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, that cuts deep for the Transformers fans. Yeah, yeah I, I had no uh, did, did did not notice this at all, but I'll take yeah. your word for it. So let's talk. Let's just wrap up the conversation around Michael Bay. This feels like more like a Michael Bay reflection kind of episode, which I'm I'm digging. I feel like that fits um, the theme of this podcast much more than I I. I realized you watched ambulance. I watched it as well Mm -hmm. to me. When I watched ambulance, I was amazed by some of the technical elements again, very real, very grounded with all the drone shots, but you could tell there's just not a lot of CGI in that movie or it's, it's hidden within like a real, some real action and movement. Um, and I found that the formula and the setup for that film reminded me a lot of Transformers, where the the last half is sort of exhausting. Um, but overall, yeah. I walked away from it being like, that was a lot of good action. I just wish it wasn't so long. And I think that this movie suffers from that. I'm sure the rest of the trilogy does as well. Um, but I would love to hear just kind of your your final thoughts on Michael Bay, your take on Ambulance, what you want to see more from him. 
in in the coming years as well. I thought the ambulance um, it worked a little bit better in terms of the like the scale of movie I was talking about. I mean, I I, I enjoyed this <laughs> the car chase thing a lot more. The whole bank robbery thing, the whole open basically the opening thirty maybe minutes of ambulance is yeah. was some of the best filmmaking I saw last year, and I think it's probably better than anything in the in Transformers. Oddly, I think Transformers is a little bit better paced as a movie. I think just because there's more of a kind of a variety of what's going on. I think ambulance hits this kind of, um, um, it kind of flatlines a little bit because it ends up just being this chase that goes on and on and on that at a certain point it stops being exciting because you've just been at that level of excitement for so long. Um, you know, a, a great action movie needs to have those kind of like dips and builds, you know, um, but I think it works. I don't know. I enjoy as much as I find Shia and Megan Fox and, you know, whatever, Anthony Anderson enjoyable in Transformers. I think Jill and Hall and Yaya Abdul Mateen are like actually genuinely really good as the leads of that movie. And Jill and Hall is really like, I mean, he's going for it. He's chewing the scenery, but those characters really do have this like great dynamic. And weirdly, you kind of actually buy them as brothers, even though, you know, they're different races. Um, yeah. And I, and I liked um, Aza Gonzalez. In fact, I think it's probably the most I've enjoyed her um, in any movie. I thought she, she was kind of great as the kind of audience. She ends up being kind of the audience surrogate and ultimately kind of the, in a way, the protagonist of the movie. Um, oh, and that's, they do, they do this, the whole like surgery scene is fantastic in that movie. Um, it definitely goes on too long. I think that that's a movie that should have been, like Transformers was not, it doesn't feel like it was too long. I just feel like this, I wish this, they scaled the, you know, the action and like the, the filmmaking itself could have been better in places. But Ambulance, it's more like the filmmaking was great, but I just think when you do that kind of virtuosity over and over and over again for longer than it needs to be, it, it loses a little bit of that kind of potency um, that it has early on. And it probably would have been a really excellent, uh, maybe even would have made my top 25 as a, you know, hour, 40 minute movie, I think. Um, but yeah. I like that he's scaled down a bit. I like that he's, it seems like he stepped away from making Transformers movies. I think the last one he did was about six years ago. And he's kind of, I know, I think I, I, he did that, uh, what, 13 hours, you know, the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi or something. He did, he did some movie with Ryan Reynolds. I haven't seen those. These are the only the two Michael Bay movies I've seen, Ambulance and Transformers. Um, he but did I did a Ryan I, Reynolds movie called Six Underground. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, that was a Netflix yeah. film. Um, I don't. Well, I won't comment because I haven't seen it. But not not um, well reviewed. <laughs> not well reviewed. No, yeah. Thirteen Hours seems like people like that one. Um, I'm definitely interested to check out his movies. I, I'm really interested to see some of his uh, '90s movies because I think, well, first of all, that's just you know a lot of directors were hitting. Um, there's just a great blockbuster filmmaking in in the '90s, and and I've heard that his movie The Rock in particular is is very yeah. good. Um, but My I, dad I, if he's loves making The Rock, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean like so, Sean Connery, yeah. Nicolas Cage. Like, how do you how do you miss? Um, but I, I think him doing movies at the scale of Ambulance is definitely good. I love also that he he is really embracing the new technology and the stuff he does with drones in that movie is really, really neat. In fact, I was kind of imagining, you know, the stuff he would have been doing in Transformers if he had access to that kind of technology 16 years ago. Cause I think there could have been some cool, 
uh, stuff in there. Um, you know, he's not, you know, he's not in my hall of fame. He's not in the greatest, even of just action directors nowadays, but I think, I think he does have talent and he has a, he has a distinctive way of making movies. It's so distinct by the way that, um, just to complain a little bit for a second, when I turned the movie on, on Amazon, I'm not sure. Did you rent this on Amazon? Yeah, I did. The, your, the color is really washed out. And when I, I thought it was, when it was the desert scenes, I thought, okay, maybe it's just the prologue, you know, the, the, he's doing the, you know, American sniper washed out desert scenes. But when it got to his school and it still looked like that, I was like, oh, this is a, this is a bad, they're putting up a bad print on Amazon of this movie. And because I, I just, didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have that experience with it, but maybe I just didn't pay attention too much. I thought it was pretty vibrant enough. So I think it was the, it seemed like it was the thing. Cause I, cause I, I checked it on my computer and my, you know, like I, it wasn't just like my television. Also I, th- you know, I threw up other stuff on my TV. It looked fine. Um, so I, I think it was that, you know, and I go to Hulu and then it's the right, um, it's the right color grade, which is he, he. What he likes is this kind of like, it looks like um, almost like neon or like like a kind of uh, I don't know, like Crest toothpaste or something like that. Uh, kind of coloring to it, really like rich colors, and um, it was the right color on Hulu, but it was the wrong aspect ratio. It was like one eight five, so I had to like rent it again on YouTube. It was, it was this whole like, I mean, it just speaks to the uh annoyances of um you know streaming in modern era but um it's a, it's a testament to how distinct his style is that i was watching it and going this isn't the correct michael bay movies don't look like this if it was clint eastwood i would just i would be like oh yeah that's because clint you know the directors like him who like to have this washed out kind of palette but michael bay likes to have everything like really colorful and um, particularly in this era where he's, you know, still shooting film, I think. Um, but even in actually, to be fair, an ambulance also has that kind of really these um, these dark, rich colors. And um, I don't know. I, I like I like the look of his movies. And I think uh, for the most part, he does a pretty solid job with with the, with uh, how things look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the streaming service stuff is whack. I really wish I got to watch this movie on my Blu-ray copy. The, one of the two Blu-rays I had from back in the day. I was really I, I was trying to grab it from my yeah. parents and I forgot. I was like, shoot, I, I wish I could have watched it. Yeah. With, with that yeah, that would have been the nostalgia. Probably. Yeah. But well, I think that pretty much wraps up the review uh for, for Transformers. I think we covered a lot of it. I'm sure if you have any nostalgic draw, you're probably gonna want to watch this movie again now because we we named a bunch of the sets. For me, like going through oh yeah, the Air Force One, the desert fight, all that stuff, like it was it was a lot of fun to revisit it and watch it. So don't don't let any of my, my negativity bring down your nostalgia if you have a connection. Juzo, would you recommend this movie for people who haven't seen uh transformers and really didn't want to approach it at all i mean it's a real depends on who you are it's weird to talk about this like um you know some godard movie or something but in a way it's a similar type of thing where it's like if you this seems like something a movie where you're watching giant robots and kind of sophomore humor and you know big cgi fight scenes if that sounds repellent to you probably you won't enjoy it and i would say there are certain movies that have that kind of um there's certain movies that 
might be alienating to someone who doesn't watch big CGI movies that I still, I would say are good enough that you should still see like guardians of the galaxy, for example, like that's a movie Mm -hmm. that even if you don't like superhero movies or movies with a bunch of CGI, those movies, I think transcend a little bit more. Um, but this is, I think a little bit more for like, if, if you if you like this sort of thing, also if you just like, it taps into your love of like cars and, and that kind of, it's it's a very like in tapping into your childhood and tapping into like kind of a boy's imagination of um you know I I used to have all these like die cast cars and like you know creating little action scenes with them and that sort of thing and it kind of feels like this movie is a huge budget version of that kind of uh, childlike play I guess um, so I I think it's it's one of these things where it, it's not it's not it doesn't need to be on your bucket list, but if it sounds like something you'd enjoy, uh, you probably would enjoy it. And it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's not, not great, but it's solid. Well, that's more than I expected from you, Juzo. So I'm glad you enjoyed, <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed, uh, most of it. I was pleasantly surprised how it was a lot less offensively. It was a lot less offensive to me in the boredom category uh, watching it this time. So I would recommend it, um, of course, just like Juzo said, if you don't want to see anything with CGI action, you're just going to hate it from the start. Yeah, you're probably going to hate it. But um, it's it's not completely unwatchable. I'll say that. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's much better than that. So High praise. It's not completely unwatchable. Yes. <laughs> Just no, like it was actually Google very review. watchable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. Well, that, that pretty much wraps it up. We post every Tuesday. We hope you had a good three-day weekend, and uh, we will catch you next week. This recording. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.